Well, good day to all of you again, and uh, lovely to see uh, so many of you joining. And I'm excited today about continuing our series of Unlock, and um, I uh, love the topics uh, when they come out to me from Pastor Daniel. And today I'm going to be speaking on the power of words, and that's going to be talking about the power of God's word and the power of our word. And I want to just make sure that we're clear that it is so uh, different and it just makes, you know, it's really important for us to know what does God's word say? What is he saying? And what should uh, we actually be saying? So I want to start, first of all, in Luke chapter seven. And I just, uh, I'm going to kind of just quote this story. I'm not going to really read a specific, well, I am, I, I am going to read one specific verse, but you know, this is the story of the centurion and he is a, a guy that is showing a, an example of great faith. And um, he was a man that because of his own authority, he understood the authority of Jesus. And so he knew that there was no limitation on the word of God and that if he said uh, he would do it, that he knew he would do it because the centurion understood honor and authority. And I love um, verse eight uh, is actually the main scripture I would like to really, and I'm looking down at my Bible because I actually have my my Bible laying up in in front of me, but um, it says, for I am a man also subject to authority. And by the way, I'm reading out of the Amplified with soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go and he goes and to my slave and to another come and he comes and to my slave do this. And he does this. And because of that, it says that Jesus turned to the people and said, that no greater faith had he seen in Israel than this man's faith. Now, I want to share with you uh, words here that I'm going to expand on in in just a few minutes. But the first one I want to talk about is honor. Honor is about the handing over of authority. And so the first thing I want you to think about is when we have authority, it's a great honor to be handed that authority. And authority just simply means that you have the right to command and be obeyed. Now, you will note that obviously sometimes there are people that take authority where they shouldn't be taking authority and they command and expect people to obey where they have no authority. But also there's people who love to abuse power with authority and and don't understand that it's a true honor to be handed over authority, to be able to make decisions. And when you get handed that kind of an honor and and the authority to be able to make decisions and ask people to do things and and things get done, it's something that you should really um, take with great respect and know that it's something that is is quite uh, high end to be thinking that, you know, I was given a great honor to be handed this authority. And so this man in verse eight, it says he was a man subject to authority because 
he had soldiers under him. So he understood that when he gave them an order that they would do it. And this is why Jesus responds by saying, nowhere in Israel have I seen such great faith. Now, we know that, of course, God will always have what he says. And I believe that the first thing that's really important today is that as believers, we need to recognize the authority we have. But we also need to recognize that just because you have the power does not mean you have the authority or the jurisdiction. And it also means that when we are given the authority, these things come with a price. I want to give you a couple of Greek words, which I shared with the, the chat team so that they could put, they could spell them out there for you. The first word I want to refer to today is exousia. And it's a Greek word that talks about the delegation of authority over territory, or in other words, the jurisdiction or the dominion that you have. And then there is the Greek word dunamis, which is the Greek word for power, for strength, and for ability. So just because you have the power, the dunamis, doesn't mean you have the exousia or the authority or the jurisdiction. Now, when you really want to see about what is this that has been given to us by God, I want to take you now, you just go over just a few chapters and look over in chapter 10. And this is verse 19. It says, listen carefully. Again, I'm, I'm reading out of the Amplified. I have given you authority that you now possess to tread on serpents and scorpions and the ability to exercise authority over all the power of the enemy, Satan, and nothing will in any way harm you. Now, he gave us the authority, the exousia, to tread on the enemy and the authority over the power of the enemy. I mean, if I just stopped right there, we could dance a jig right where you are in your living room. I could get up and dance right here and we could be shouting to the rooftops because he gave us the authority. He gave us the exousia to be able to tread on the enemy and the authority over the power of the enemy. But I want to break this down because with that authority, before we get too excited, I want us to recognize we have a great responsibility for the power of God's word. Because you see, he gave us the authority. He gave us the right to command and to be obeyed by giving us the honor in handing it over to us, but there are guidelines. I want you just to say to yourself, just say, and I, I'll say it to myself, why now? There are guidelines. You cannot abuse this power and this authority. So I'll, I'll give you just a little practical example. You know, you could, um, parents, those of you, uh, I remember when my dad did this for me, and those of you who have older children, you might remember you know, the day comes when your kids want to borrow your car because they're desperate to get out and drive it and, you know, test out that new license that they've got. And, you know, we as parents, we give rules and guidelines uh, about what they can do with the car. I'll never forget the first time that Angelica asked me for the car. 
Oh, I tell you, uh, as a mom, you pace the floors praying and praying uh, as soon as they get in that car. But here's what I want you to think about. Uh, with the rules and guidelines that we give our children, why do we do that? Because it is your car. It's your, uh, it's your car. You have the authority to say, this is what you can do. This is what you can't do. This is where you can go. This is where you can't go. And you know as well as I do that as parents, what happens when children don't abide by those rules or guidelines? What happens if they decide to go take it out and not come back on the right curfew time? Or what happens if they decide to pack it in with a bunch of people that they were told not to do? Well, you know, you have the right to take that car back. You have the right to say to them, I'm sorry, but you won't be given that car to drive again because you didn't follow the guidelines. Now, why are you allowed to do that? Well, first of all, because it's your car. You have the right to decide how they are going to drive your car and what they're going to do with it. So I have a couple of important questions today because I'm going to elaborate a bit more on the power of God's word. But then today I'm going to wrap it up by talking about the power of our words and how that we can unlock the keys to victory in our life through words, because the power of words, oh, seriously, uh, you know, family, if you could hear it today, the power of words, it, there's no, there's just no limit to what God can do when you get this. So here's two important questions I want to ask you today. First of all, how are you submitting to the authority of his word. Now, I said a big word right in the middle of that question, submitting. And I want you to write that word down because it's a word you're going to need to really, I, I'm going to challenge you throughout this message to check yourselves. How are you submitting? How am I submitting to the authority of his word? How am I exercising the authority that he has given me? Now, if you look over in James, Chapter four, verse seven. This is a scripture that many, 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 many people love to share. They love to, when they get in a problem, when they get in between a hard place and they're looking for victory, people love to quote half. Notice I said half. People love to quote half of this scripture verse. Resist the devil. And he will flee from me, which means if you stand firm against him, he will flee from you. Now, I used to have a lot of friends who would always say, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm, res I'm resisting the devil, but he's not fleeing. But how many of you know there is a, an important line right before that? It says, submit, come on, submit to the authority of God. You cannot resist the devil. You know, guys, I, I don't, uh, I don't sugarcoat this. I've, ne <laughs> I've never been one who sugarcoated a message uh, really in my life, but I do want you to know this. I have asked God to really let me preach this in love because I'm not preaching this so that you will fail and so that you won't make it. I'm preaching it so that you will understand that there are steps 
before we go claiming the authority, before we go claiming the power, there are things that we must do if we want to be able to see the resisting of the devil and standing firm against him and he will flee from us. So the bottom line to start with there is submit to the authority of God. You must submit. Now, what are some steps that allows this to help us? Number one, you've got to allow God the right to speak into your life, but not just to speak into your life. You have to obey him. There's a lot of people that love to quote God's word, that God's word says this and God's word says that. But there are a lot of people that have areas. We all sometimes have areas in our life that we don't allow God to speak into because they're sort of our little sacred corners that we don't really want God to speak into. They're the little corners or the places where we don't really want him to tell us how to do it differently because we know we will have to obey his word. But you see, there's something that is really, really key here. True biblical honor means that when you allow God to speak into your life, this is the way that you're going to respond. You're going to respond with obedience and faithfulness. Listen, if you really want God's word to work in your life and you want the power of God's word to reside in you and you want to see the great miracles and you want to see God do the great things, not only do you allow God to speak into all areas of your life, but you must obey his word. True honor means that when he speaks into our life, we respond with obedience and faithfulness. Now, you know, it, it just doesn't get any plainer than that. And John 8, 44 plainly says, men seek honor from others. But if we want all of what God has for us, we must recognize that his word is all authority and we honor his teachings. You see, you can seek honor. You can seek it from other people. You can seek the popularity from the groups around you or from the organizations or from whatever. But if you really want true honor from God, you're going to recognize that the word above all words is his authority. And then later on in that chapter 8 in verse 51, 51, it says, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, if anyone keeps my word, keeps means that you obey his word by living in accordance with my message. He will indeed never, ever see and experience death. Now, does that mean physical death? No, it does not. It means eternal life. It means that you will carry on living after you die here on earth because you are guaranteed eternal life if you keep his word. Come on, guys, we've got to keep his word. And actually, you know, I, I want to even take you over to Hebrews chapter one. And I, I'm not there going to read this whole chapter, but I do want to tell you something. If you really want to uh, study about, you know, this whole chapter is describing who God is and how he has spoken to us and how he's spoken to us about his son. And the whole first part of the chapter of Hebrews 1 talks about submission. It talks about submission. Listen, you see, uh, even Jesus Christ 
submitted himself to his father. He did not, I would say he didn't necessarily just want the things to go wrong, but he submitted himself to the father because of him being the son and because he wanted to honor God. Our faith in God and his word is tested because of our submission to him. In fact, if you look uh, in Hebrews 1 verse 3, it says the son is the radiance and only expression of the glory of our awesome God, reflecting God's Shekinah glory, the light being the brilliant light of the divine and the exact representation and perfect imprint of his father's essence and upholding and maintaining and propelling all things, which means the entire physical and spiritual universe. What does it say? By his powerful word, his word. So if I really believe that I will have what he says, then I will obey. I will do what he says. It's simple as that. But we tend to put limitations on what we don't really want to do. For example, you know, if you go to Proverbs chapter three, I know I've got you dancing around in the scriptures today, but it's good, isn't it? Because you can see the different scriptures. If you go to Proverbs and you go to chapter three, I want to drop you down. And, 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 you know, this, this is a, a verse that a lot of people might get hung up on, but I want you to notice Verse eight and verse nine, it says about honoring the Lord with your wealth or in the King James, it says with your substance and with the first fruits of all your crops. In other words, honor the Lord with everything that you have. And then come on now. And then your barns will be filled with plenty, but it won't be the other way around. You must, you honor the Lord by the giving of your substance, by everything that you have. But we are so good at excusing ourselves by telling God, oh God, you, I know you understand God that I have bills or I have this project that I'm working on, or I need to do this, or I need to do that. And there's just certain things I I need to purchase. God, you, you understand, you know that I just can't really do this. Well, I want to tell you, he does understand and he may understand and say, yeah, okay. But then what you cannot expect God to do is bless you when you have disobeyed his word. Submission and obedience is key. You cannot use God's word like a hocus pocus. You know, in in Texas, we say like abracadabra and you wave your magical wand and boom, you have what you have. God does not operate that way. You, if you love God, you will submit to God and you will obey his word, and you will obey every part of his word. Because if you draw back, you see, 
you know, I mean, I, I'm going to, I'm just going to say this and I'm going to be really open and honest with you. Two things that people hate talking about in church and everybody cringes when you bring it up and that's sex and money. Nobody wants to hear us talking about those two subjects and especially they don't want us touching their, their pocketbook or the things that they own. But guys, it's not about me. It's not about the church saying what you should give to them. It's about how that you submit to God Almighty. You're not giving to us per se. Yes, we are the means by which that you give unto God. But it is merely the, the conduit or the place to where that it lands. But you're ultimately giving it to God. And even if you start off and at least get yourself into that habit because lots of people have to break themselves into the habit of really giving. But you must learn that when you, that's the only part of the scripture when God says, try me and see that it won't be true. And once you start to do it, you can then begin to believe, but it's not just in everything. You must submit in all things. Remember when you go back to Hebrews 1, 3, it says upholding all things and the word of his power nothing, no matter how bad things look for you, you cannot withhold from God. You must submit everything to God. And either everything belongs to him or none of it belongs to him. You can't have a one foot in and a one foot out. The prophetic word of God proves that his word is authentic and that everything that he speaks will happen. You know, you take Judas, the traitor disciple, do you know why that that had to happen? Because it was prophesied in the word and Jesus knew that it was coming, but he couldn't change it because it was scripture from the Old Testament being fulfilled that there would be a traitor. And he knew that it had to happen because when God's word is spoken, it does happen. So he knew that it had to take place because it had been prophesied and he knew that he couldn't change that. So. What about the, excuse me, what about the power of our words? What about the power of what comes out of our mouths? You know, the, the greatest fear of man has been said that is the word of God real? That has been one of the greatest fears that even sometimes as Christians, we have often sometimes maybe had that sudden fear of, is, is the word of God really real? Come on, how, how many of you would just be, be truthful and say you've actually one time or another in your life actually thought, I wonder if there really is a heaven. I wonder if, if everything that I keep reading, is this really true? You know that that's one of the greatest fears of man is, is asking ourselves, is the word of God for real? And let me tell you this, fear will overtake your life until you apply faith. You see, right now, what the enemy is out to do is he's trying to reverse and turn around everything that God's word says. And what we are doing is we are allowing him to do it by the way that we speak, by the way that we act, and by the way that we believe. The enemy has one mission, and that is to try to reverse and pervert everything that God says, and we help that by the things that come out of our own mouths. You see, the enemy wants me to doubt God's word, 
so that then I will in turn doubt his authority. That's his mission. That's what he wants, because if he can get us to do that, we are finished. And I want to show you such a powerful scripture that I read this the other day. And I have to tell you, as many times as I have read in Genesis, it was something that just leaped out at me in talking about this doubting the word of God. If you've got a Bible there in front of you, I'm going to read out of the Amplified, but I want to give you a minute. I want to encourage you to open your Bible right now. And I want you to go to Genesis chapter three, verse one. And this is the scripture where the serpent goes to Eve. Now, you know, the serpent was crafty, subtle, skilled in deceit, the same way he operates now. Nothing has changed. It's just that back then he was in the form of a serpent. Now he comes through in many other ways. And here he is. And I want you to notice something in in the Amplified. It is so magnified. But I know that it's just as much when you read it in, in the King James. It says in the Amplified, This is what he says to the woman. Can it really be that God has said? Wow. Is that not the enemy blatantly challenging and saying, come on now. Do you think God really said that? Did God really tell you you couldn't eat from the tree in the garden, that one tree? Now, I want you to really focus and think about this. This is this is how he started operating, and this is how he continues to operate. He wants us to question, can that really be God's word? Is that really true in God's word where he says, I have to give and I have to honor him with my substance? What is the enemy doing here? He is challenging the word of God. And you see, the examples for us today, We've got people who challenge creation, who challenge marriage between man and woman. The enemy's plan, and it goes on and on. I'm only mentioning a few. The enemy's plan is to try to reverse everything that God's word says, and he's doing a pretty good job of it right now. And the enemy wants us to doubt the word of God so that in turn, we will then doubt his authority. Look at Matthew 16, verse 19. And we're talking about the keys today, about unlocking. Now, here we are. I will give you the keys. The authority is what that means. I will give you the keys, the authority of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind or you forbid or you declare to be improper or unlawful on earth will have already been bound in heaven. And whatever you loose or whatever you permit or whatever you declare lawful on earth will have already been loosed in heaven. You see, this is very, very key. It teaches us that we have authority as believers to bring heaven's will to earth by acting in partnership with God. Have you ever thought about this? I'm a partner with God. And remember, he's in heaven. 
we are on earth, but because his spirit dwells in us, we have his word who is in us and we can know his will. We have authority on this earth to bring heaven's will into action so that what God allows or disallows, what is bound and loosed is what will happen here on earth. But you cannot you cannot do this without submission and without obedience to his word. In other words, you don't get to live your life the way that you want to and still claim the benefits of his word. You must obey every single part of the word. Because let me tell you this, no consciousness of sin means that there is no need for salvation. This is why so many people are saying today, oh, we don't need salvation. We've got everything that we need. Why? Because when you have no consciousness of what sin is and you don't know what the word says and right from Genesis 1 where he says that he began to, to trick her into saying, are you sure that's what God really said? Already messing with our minds. But then you look at 2 Peter 1 verses 16 through 20 and you, you see where the eyewitnesses for we do not follow cleverly devised stories or myths when we were made known about the power and the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ because we were eyewitnesses of his majesty his grandeur his authority his sovereignty and for when he was invested with honor from glory to God, the father, a voice came from heaven and said, this is my son, my beloved son in whom I am well pleased and delighted. And we heard this voice from heaven and we were together with him on the holy mountain. So we have the prophetic word made more certain. Pay attention closely to it as a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the light breaks through the gloom and the morning star arises in your heart. But understand this above all, no prophecy if scripture is a matter of or come from its own personal interpretation. This was scripture from the eyewitnesses of 2 Peter 1 verses 16 through 20. But if you really want to know what they were talking about it, write it down so that you can go back and look it up and correlate it with Matthew chapter 17 about how that the eyewitnesses spoke about what was and already ready to come. And I want to begin to bring this to a close by telling you this. As believers, we need to recognize not for doom and gloom, but for you to be wise to your surroundings, not to have your head in the sand. We must wake up. We must have the word on our lips and in our hearts, and we must speak the word over our situations, over our homes, over our families, and we must declare that word, but we must live it. We must submit to God and say, Lord, whatever you want me to do, I'm willing to do because you, oh Lord God, have given me the honor of the authority when I submit and obey your word. And listen, we cannot be surprised. I don't know why so many people say, oh, I can't believe this is going wrong. I can't believe this is happening. Why would you say that? 2 Timothy 3, 13 through 16 says, evil men and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But what does it tell you to do in verse 14? Continue in the things that you have learned, 
knowing from who you have learned them. And it goes on to talk about the scriptures and then it finishes with verse 16, all scripture. Come on, if you know that by heart, all scripture is God breathed, given by divine inspiration and is profitable for instruction, for conviction of sin, for correction of error and restoration to obedience, for training in righteousness and learning to live in conformity to God's will, both publicly and privately, behaving honorably and with personal integrity and moral courage. So we need not be surprised. Things are going to get worse and they're getting worse. But I have good news for you. The scripture says in verse 14 there in Timothy, continue in what you have learned. And what have you learned? God's word. You must continue with this because all of this was given by God, but we must obey it. We must submit to it because this is the only way we're going to work. And the only way we're going to see the victory in our own lives without all of the, the constant negativity that comes out of our mouth, the way that we act sometimes isn't a, to be honest with you, I'm more surprised about the way Christians act than I am about non-Christians. Matthew twenty two twenty nine. 29, Jesus replied to them, you are all wrong because you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God. The way you speak, the way you act, we won't see the power of God until we know his word. And what does it say? And then when we know it, we must obey it by living it out. And I'm going to finish with a challenge today. You cannot receive when you are in the wrong position. How can you go and preach God's word when you don't even know what you believe for yourself and you don't even act like you believe it. You don't speak like you believe it. One minute we use our mouth to declare God's word and the next minute we're using it to curse people, to curse situations. We declare how poor we are. We talk about what we don't have. We talk about our neighbors. We talk about everybody who's doing things that they shouldn't be doing. All we do is blah, 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 negativity, negativity. And all we are doing in the meantime is declaring junk over our own lives. When you say you will never get through this, you will always be poor. You don't have the money to do this, but you don't have the money to do that. But suddenly when there's something you really want, you find the money to do it. Come on, guys. This is real. Switch gears today. Declare his word. Live his word. Submit yourself to his word and change the way that you talk. Get yourself positioned in his word and stay there. And remember, if you believe one piece, you've got to believe it all. You can't choose what you want to obey and what you want to live by. It's all or it's nothing with God. And I would say today, some of us need to repent. Some of us need to change our behavior, our vocabulary, our attitudes, some of us need to get off of the fence because remember, when you're in the wrong position, you cannot receive what God has for you. And I want to challenge you as I finish with this for God wants you to have. He wants you to experience salvation. He wants you to experience peace and love and power and authority. 
And the list goes on and on. But you must make a decision. And this is what I felt like God said to me last night when I went back to restudy this again. I'm challenging you. Take the challenge. Those of you that don't know Jesus, step out there right now and accept them. Give him a try. Ask him into your heart to change your life and to forgive you of your sins. And if you've been there before, I challenge you to do it again. But this time, make it for real. And I also want to say this. A champion loves being challenged. I'm not asking you to change yourself. I'm asking you to make a decision to repent and see what he can change in your life when you submit and obey his word. Or are you afraid? Are you afraid that this will really work? Come on. I challenge you today. Take the challenge. Turn it around today and see what God won't do. Back to the studio.